Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. A lot of people talking about this Tucker Carlson interview with Andrew Tate. And as you know, I, I said this on my morning show, I don't know much about Andrew Tate. I don't really, you know, play into the people who are teaching you how to be an alpha male. I, I think manhood is important. I think reminding people that being a man is important. I don't think one should ever be embarrassed or or ashamed of, of being a man. I think the people who scream toxic masculinity are some of the worst people out there. These are these are fools. We need manhood. It's extremely important. We need to raise our boys to be men. Men have to understand their their purpose. And yes, indeed, women like men. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. But the whole thing uh, uh, about uh, alpha male and all that, I, 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 don't, I don't pay any attention. And then there are stories about this guy, Andrew Tate, and sex rings and porn and forced pornography, and, and there are criminal charges. I, I admit to you that there are people much more well-versed in the story of of Andrew Tate than I. Why Tucker Carlson decided to interview him, I don't have an answer for that. Why he decided in his ninth episode of his his series there on Twitter that he decided to um, uh, interview Andrew Tate is is beyond me. I don't get it. I don't necessarily think it's good for him. But there's 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 a mistake being made regarding uh, views. People have noted that his first episode, Tucker Carlson, after being let go from from Fox, whatever happened there, he got 120 million views on Twitter, and on his eighth video, he only got 9.3 million views. Um, so what, what do you what do you want from this? What 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 is that even a thing? That's a problem. By the way, his latest uh, video, the one with Andrew Tate, when I talked about it on my morning show, it was only 8 million views. And now and now it's, uh, uh, what is it, 47.5 million views. My point to you is that Tucker is still growing. Tucker has great opportunities outside of Fox, and there's an audience. Just some of the interviews are questionable. <laughs> I think this is one of them. I don't know. Maybe it was exactly what had to happen. Look how it brought the viewership. Maybe maybe it's just genius. You need to only interview the most controversial people. Maybe that's my problem. I want to just interview rational people who want to talk about things rationally. Oops. My mistake. But people who think that, you know, oh, look, he had 120 million in his first episode and the latest one was only 9. You see, he's he's failing. Um nope. That's not it. That's not it. And even at 9 million views, dude, he's still more popular than everybody on MSNBC and CNN. So what are we talking about? Disagreeing with the subject of an interview is different than whether or not people will still watch the content. Now, after watching the interview, are they turned off by Tucker and are like, I ain't watching that again. And more people are watching it because it's an insane interview that never should have been done. There could be a negative. But we don't know that right now. And I don't think, uh, I think that the people who want to write Tucker into an early grave are doing so too quickly. 
We're a long way from knowing what the future is with him. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. Everything the White House says about this economy is that it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. As a matter of fact, sliced bread is doing great in this economy. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. It's terrific. And they they utilize this term Bidenomics. They swear by the term, it seems, Bidenomics. I don't know if they invented it or somebody else did, but they have wholly and completely embraced this idea and today uh some of those consumer price uh, index numbers came out and i swear to you how in the world do you make sense of this here we go if you look at the headline up two tenths of one percent up two tenths of one percent and that of course uh comps to the up one tenth in the rear view mirror it's a one tenth lighter than expectations now cpi core x food and energy up two tenths up two tenths and that that means it's not the fourth consecutive month up four tenths and it also means it's not the seventh month in a row of four tenths or higher and that was a record going all the way back the last time we had something along those lines was from uh, october of 89 to april of 90 uh, where it was nine in a row so we stopped that as well and up two tenths uh on the core is the lowest level going all the way back to to february february of 21 when it was only up i don't know how i'm supposed to make sense of that what i also cannot make sense of is what we're experiencing on midwest main street which is higher prices for everything try taking your family on a trip try taking an airline flight one of these days take a look at where those prices are how is it that the white house can claim that everything's better does bidenomics if it is indeed a term, actually work? Or is this a lot of talk about absolutely nothing? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Let me bring in Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis to make sense of all of this. I'm looking at the consumer price index numbers, all items up 0.2, all items less food and energy, which they often exclude because they're volatile, also up point two. The point Rick Santilli was making there on uh, CNBC is that we've gotten off some highs, this trend of point four or higher. I guess that's good news, but I think you got to read into the report. What did this report tell you, sir? T- Tony, I-, I love the clip and, and I understand the confusion. Bas- he, what he was saying was very simple. It was a lot worse before now. That's all he said. Um, it's 3% inflation, 4.8% core. It's still too high, but it's moving in the right direction in that battle we keep talking about. Jerome Powell is is winning the battle at the moment, and, and Joe Biden is losing the battle, so that's good news. But all he was saying is it was really, really bad for a long time, and now it's not as bad. Yeah, I get he's saying it's not as bad, but that's you're making the argument that's different than saying things are good is there any good coming out of this report you can go to bls.gov and take a look at it for yourself did anything good come out of this yeah the the one month numbers are decent that's it the one month numbers aren't as bad as they could be that's the only thing i can tell you tony and so we just have to cross our fingers and hope the trend continues so the question is 
can the trend continue? If you take a look at where the, the, the pre-markets were, certainly they, they celebrated. But as you've described, these people will celebrate anything. These are drug addicts. And any little thing that goes in their favor sends them over the moon in an, in an almost uh, irrational uh, kind, kind of way. But things that get the, the getting better, what is causing the getting better? What caused this this movement in in only a point two and i forget what the the expectation was a point three i believe it was um so what caused that is it indeed jerome powell the chairman of the federal reserve and the fed's actions in raising interest rates or is there something else that the biden administration could say this is what we've done and that's the proof that things are better because of this maneuver we've made no there's nothing the biden administration has done that could have caused this zero. It is 100% Jerome Powell because the fact is we've talked about this a million times and every economist, even the most left-leaning economist will tell you, Tony, that the Biden administration is causing inflation. They continue to have, you know, the, the infrastructure bill, the American rescue plan, the chips and science act, blah, 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 blah. They've caused the inflation. So no, they're doing nothing to take credit for this. They'll claim credit, Tony, don't get me wrong. They will claim credit for inflation being reduced, but instead they should send a thank you note to Jerome Powell. But that's not going to happen. They're not going to send a thank you note to Jerome Powell. As a matter of fact, let me uh, show you a couple of the things that we have here. This is the White House crowing. Dr. Will, talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. This is from President Biden's Twitter feed, the POTUS Twitter feed right here. Bidenomics in action. Unemployment unemployment below 4% for the longest stretch in 50 years. Inflation cut in half compared to one year ago. Job satisfaction at a 36-year high. Highest share of working-age Americans in the workforce in 20 years. Low-wage worker pay growing at the fastest pace in over 20 years. And then they put out this. 13.2 million jobs added under President Biden. And then it literally says Bidenomics with the White House logo. And then next to it, they put 13.2 million reasons Bidenomics is working. They love the term. They believe that they're the ones responsible and they're taking every bit of credit. But those are deceptive facts, or I shouldn't say facts, deceptive numbers that they're giving. No, no, they're, they're not deceptive, Tony. They're lying. Let me quote the Washington Post, the left-leaning Washington Post went out of their way to give President Biden based on those two th two things. One is the unemployment, on the, I mean the job growth, and the next was the deficit reduction, which we can talk about also. They gave him what they call a bottomless Pinocchio's because he's repeated the same lie more than 20 times. They call that the bottomless Pinocchios. You know, they had three, four Pinocchios. He got a bottomless one. So, Tony, they're just lying, and they keep repeating the same lie, and even the left-leaning media says, you're lying. And by the way, I, why is he lying? Let me, it's important to point out because you put it up there. They didn't create 13 million jobs, Tony. If you were to lay everybody off, if you were to send everybody home, which we did during the pandemic and said, you can't go to work and you can't work remotely, some of you. And then we say, now you can go back to work. We didn't create 13 million jobs because we allowed people to go back to work. In fact, I have data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics that shows we are still 2 million jobs below where we should be. We are 2 million short. We are not 13 million above.
Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. I have been through uh, that data that people going back to work is not job creation. It is absolutely false. But let me give you another one that's getting put out there. This is Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, who put this out on Twitter. For all of you wondering what is Bidenomics, 13.2 million jobs created, just like you were talking about, unemployment remaining below 4% for the longest stretch, inflation cut in half, almost 800,000 manufacturing jobs created. There's your answer. Uh, No, 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 no. no, Are you saying that Corinne Jean-Pierre has got it wrong? Oh, well, I can't criticize her because she's very fragile. She gets very defensive anybody anytime criticizes her. But uh, let, let me say, no, that is an absolute lie. Manufacturing, let me just give you facts, Tony. I'm not going to say Bidenomics is working or failing. Let me just give you some facts. The PMI index, that is the index of manufacturers. We call manufacturers and say, hey, how's it going? Eight months in a row now, contracting, Tony, eight months in a row. Last month in June, the first month that they actually said, we are laying off people. So private employment, private market employment shrunk for the first time in June. Eight months of contracting manufacturing. Four months in a row of contracting inventories. Tony, I've got a longer list if you want me to keep going. But as far as I'm concerned, her statement is false. It's so, absolutely false. So when, when we factors are contracting, if we take a look at then, if, if, if you were speaking to a, a, a class, if you were speaking to America, you're giving a, a, a talk. You're, this is your TED talk moment. It's a Tony talk. We're going to start Tony talks here uh, on Rumble. Um, is Bidenomics good for America? Yes or no? No, Tony. I'm not going to give the TED talk yes or no. Let me give you more data. Germany is in a recession. Yes, an actual recession. We were in a technical recession last year. Data, the inverted yield curve. Short-term rates are higher than long-term rates. Fact, banking crisis, the worst banking crisis since 2008. Fact, energy dependence in this country. Fact, Just this morning, TransUnion reported that credit scores in this country are falling for the first time in recent history. And Tony, here's the coup de grace. Foreign direct investment, companies outside the U.S. investing in the United States dropped from $360 billion to $170 billion. Dropped this last year because foreign companies think the U.S. is no longer a good place to do business. That's a fact, Tony. Now, your listeners can decide. Is Bidenomics working? So, so, so you would say no. Okay, no. But we take a look at the numbers we just went through. If, uh, go to bls.gov, and you say this is at least good. You look at these numbers and say this. You don't say it's good. You say it's better. What would allow this to keep up a trend that provides value? Or is this only momentary and the other things that you're discussing, whether it be the banking crisis and these other issues, will eventually outweigh until these things are solved, you can't actually have a better economy? Tony, uh, better is in the eye of the beholder. Clearly, Cringe thinks it's going great. I mean, she says it every day. And she says, we are committed. It's top of mind. I mean, she's got these buzz phrases that just make me, uh, I can't go to sleep. I'm listening to them all the time. But the reality is, just look at the shrinking manufacturing base in the U.S., eight months in a row contracting. Foreign companies, we don't want to invest in the United States. That's just factual information, Tony. And why? Global minimum tax. Here's a little twist. 
This is the funniest thing in the world. So Janet Yellen and Biden have said, we want a global minimum tax. And all these countries agree to it. But guess what? Congress didn't pass it. So now the United States is being penalized by other countries through trade tariffs because we didn't pass the stupid thing that Biden and Yellen convinced everyone to jump on board with. You, you, you make it sound uh, so petty. But very often these things are things, you know, people engage in these punitive uh, ways. We saw this, you know, under President Trump with tariffs. Now, I, I didn't think that tariffs were petty, but rather a way to try and bring others to the table to engage a, a, a better deal. But certainly one could argue punitive. It wasn't about bringing billions of dollars into the U.S. coffers. It was indeed a tax. Eventually it got paid by uh, us, the, the, the end consumer. The question that I'm asking is, is there the possibility of, of uh, light on the horizon? Is there the possibility of things getting better? Is there anything from this report based on things that the Biden White House and the Treasury Department, Johnny Yellen and others are doing that we can see as valuable? Or is this just Jerome Powell in a snapshot in time? getting a victory over what Biden and Janet Yellen and the team are doing, and eventually they will overcome him to our own uh, uh, pain. Um, I believe it's a snapshot in time. I believe it's a temporary victory. Um, I don't know who's going to win the battle long-term, Tony. I don't know. Um, and I tell you why. Because I am a little pessimistic on the outcome. Since the Bidenomics is very simple. I mean, you can look it up. There's a lot of different publications, left-leaning publications that define it as the following. Spending on the infrastructure law, spending on the American Rescue Plan, spending on the Chips and Science Act, spending on the Inflation, or as I say, in, you know, Inflation Creation Act. So the definition of Bidenomics is spending money. Unfortunately, Tony, the public likes money being spent. They like money being given to them. Now, they don't like to pay for expensive vacations. They don't like to pay more money for their eggs and their food. They don't like to pay more money for their gasoline. They don't like the fact that they can't get consumer goods. But they like getting the free money. And that's where politics wins over common sense, Tony, because people like free stuff and they can't draw the connection that it's not free. And that's why I'm a professor. I'm trying to teach people there is no free lunch. Your uh, take on whether or not you see this going forward. I know it's a little bit of crystal ball stuff, but the, the, the question before us is um, this just a momentary blip and reality is going to catch up to Bidenomics uh, in next month when we do the month of July? Or does this have the possibility to trend for a, a, a little while and we will see this, this real slowdown of inflation, even though the inflation numbers are still high? Okay, if you're talking about the inflation report, I think we'll continue to see a downward trajectory. Uh, the reason is very simple. Jerome Powell is doing a good job, and Biden's spending is in check by the Republicans in Congress. So I think for the time being that the inflation good news will continue. But you're not feeling that on the economy as a whole? No. And I'm not feeling it on the economy as a whole for that long diatribe I just gave, which it was, I just think that the the consumer that's the voter likes what biden is doing relative to giving them free stuff 
Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. I appreciate you taking the time. Dr. Matt Will, Dr. Matt Will, on the Twitter box if you want to follow him. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Has anybody found Tony Katz yet? The, the cat. Tony Katz. I get an email from my program director at 93.1 FM WIBC, David Wood. He got uh, a message from Julie. It's a giant game of telephone that someone is missing their cat. And they, I don't know, they got it on next door, I think it is. And the cat's name is Tony Katz. K-A-T-Z. Someone named their cat after me. Unless, of course, I'm being egomaniacal and they just happen to name the cat Tony Katz regardless of who I am. Which would be even more amazing. The only thing more amazing than naming your cat after me is if you named your cat not after me, but still was the same name. Oh, is your name Tony Katz, huh? What a coincidence. You spelled it K-A-T-Z. Ah, what could I say? I'm a purist. So this cat is missing. I mean, I love everything, even the description. He is shy, but super friendly. No tail, just a nub. What the? What in the hell? Oh, that's awesome. Did I say hello, Tony Katz? Tony Katz today. 833-468-8669. Got Tony. Uh, We'll try and get updates on the cat. Make sure it's all right. As I said earlier, just leave out a little bourbon and some cigars. The cat will come back. The cat will come back. As opposed to Dylan Mulvaney, who may never come back because he feels unsafe. And you'll note that I refer to Dylan Mulvaney as he because Dylan Mulvaney is a man. And I refuse to lie. I did not say that Dylan Mulvaney can't live his life the way he sees fit. Dylan Mulvaney is the trans influencer. The whole Bud Light thing. Yeah, that's Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney is the best actor of our time. Dylan Mulvaney is going to write a book and it's going to sell a bajillion copies. And it should honestly be called, I mean, gotcha would be the, 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 the right term. Um, but maybe go full Austin Powers, and the book should be called uh, "He's a Man, Baby," and then uh, and then uh, by Dylan Mulvaney. I wasn't a bad impression. I'm not so much on the impressions. I, I got to work on it. But Dylan Mulvaney, after all of the blowback from the Bud Light debacle, and and it is indeed a debacle. Um. Dylan Mulvaney has said that he no longer feels safe at home in the U.S. So um, he's been doing some travel, specifically to South America. Actually went to Machu Picchu, which has got to be a beautiful spot. Uh, It's on the list. Machu Picchu is on my list for, for sure. But this idea... That you don't feel safe. We hear this very often. Oh, the transgender community doesn't feel safe. The LGBTQ community doesn't feel safe. What, 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 are, what are you talking about here? First of all, don't ever confuse gay Americans and lesbian Americans with this transgender movement. The whole letter thing 
is just nonsense at this stage of the game. The letter thing is not about people. The LGBTQIA plus 2S. 2S, by the way, is two-spirit. I'm not buying in. I've shared it with you just so you know what it is. I'm not doing it. Not going to be a part of it. There's enough that I won't be a part of. Just add this to the list, I guess. Just add it uh, to, to, to the list. But this whole idea of safe, oh, my goodness, we're not safe because of the laws being passed. Of course you are. As a matter of fact, America is the only country where you're really and truly safe. America is the only country where people aren't coming out of the woodwork to kill you or to silence you or to stone you. It's not happening. It's not happening. People disagree with you. People don't believe that children should be allowed to take puberty blockers. That's unsafe. Grow up. You're wrong, grow up, end of list. Children should not be allowed to take these kinds of medicines. Children should not be allowed to engage these kinds of surgeries because they're children. And that's where the fight is. Remember, nobody would be talking about transgender anything, drag anything, if you didn't go after kids. Part of the problem is no one gives a good holy damn about you. Go live your life. Stop telling me about it. Stop telling me about it. Go be. Enjoy. You want to go be an actor? Go be an actor. You want to be a doctor? Be a doctor. Just stop telling me that not only do I have to care, but I have to celebrate because I won't do it. And certainly stop telling me that I have to lie. My pronouns are she, her. You're a man, I won't do it. It's not correct. I won't do it. I won't be a part. Oh, Tony, what is the big deal? The big deal is you're asking me to lie. You're asking me to lie to others. You're asking me to lie to myself. I will not do it. How come Dylan Mulvaney isn't worried about how I feel? Because I feel unsafe in any society that deems that I have to lie in order to be acceptable. Can you pick another moment anywhere where you have to lie to prove that you're good? Don't you know how damn well screwed up that is? That's screwed up. I won't be a part of it. I don't care if people are offended. Go to hell. You don't care how it affects me. You only care how it affects you. Well, you selfish bastard, go to hell. Why should I care about you at all? In the same way, why should you care about me at all? I'm going to live my life this way, and you're going to choose to live your life your way. I accept the the, the terms of that deal. The deal got broken when you said, and you have to now change how you live to satisfy my desires. The quote-unquote transgender community said, you have to change how you live in order for me to feel safe. No, I don't. If you don't allow children to change their gender, you're leading them to suicide. Stop it. You, you are the ones, not you, them, they are the ones, indulging children's fantasies. They're 12. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. You're supposed to guide them through turbulent times. You're not supposed to give in to them. You're not supposed to indulge every statement. 
Oh, well, you're a girl. Well, I guess we need puberty blockers and surgeries. Oh, you're a boy. We need the same. That's not the answer. That's twisted. That's abusive. And I won't stop saying so. So when we see all of the letters, no one's talking about people who are gay. No one who is gay in Florida is less safe than they were before uh, Ron DeSantis' second term. It's not true. Well, the don't say gay bill, there was never a don't say gay bill. There was only pathetic, worthless liars in the press and the view who kept pushing that lie and pseudo-intellectuals out there who want to believe it as opposed to doing any bit of homework. No one ever said don't say gay. But if you want to push these uh, sexual lessons on children, uh, that's weird. And we should say no to that. And we should state very clearly that parents matter. And parents have a say in what their kids learn. This brings me to a story from the Indie Star. It is the second of these stories by Lauren Bouchard. Okay, Lauren. It's adults who are fragile. Students can handle uncomfortable themes in class. And the story here is about the importance of reading these books that have either hypersexual themes or just straight-out pornography uh, in them and how important they are for kids and how uh, Lauren, you know, the, the, the sad childhood of, of being gay and not being able to, um, you know, talk about it. And uh, she writes, uh, yeah, Lauren, right? Yeah, Lauren. Um, I, don't, I don't have any other reason to think Lauren isn't, isn't Lauren. Um, what does it say to students that some characteristics of identity or family configuration is seen as inherently profane? The damage of adult fragility, religious indoctrination, and homophobia persists. I'm sorry. What now? I disagree. I state that children are children. Children are not adults. Children cannot make medical decisions for themselves. They certainly can't choose their gender. That is nonsense. And most importantly, some things maybe don't belong in a school library. Therefore, I'm too fragile. My, I've been religiously indoctrinated and I'm homophobic. When do you stop talking? Because everything will be better when you stop being ridiculous. By the way, the whole thing, oh, my parents were super conservative. When I entered college in 2009, I still retained most of my conservative beliefs until I started meeting others. If you want to mold your children's beliefs, content is less important than making their world so small that they never engage a stranger. Any eventual changes in my political stances had nothing to do with the content of the classroom or library books. The purpose of education is to tolerate ambiguity. Stop vilifying educators. Students deserve access to credible information, and students who do not have access to high-quality resources will find information on the computers in their pockets instead. What do you, that, that's not even a statement. You entered college and you met other people? Yeah, good. Yeah, you, you, you should. 
You meet other people. You learn that there's more out there than what you just saw. Nothing wrong with that. But the argument being made here is that parents are the problem. What did I say? I said the issue became an issue when you decided to go after kids. No one cared about your sexuality, and no one cared uh, that, that how you dressed. Now, when I say no one, some people cared. We can all agree to that. Some people, it mattered a, a great deal to. The people who are gay and actually fought to be able to say, yeah, we're gay, just, you know, sh- should still be able to rent an apartment. I'm gay, I shouldn't be attacked in a street. The people who actually fought at Stonewall, those people deserve your respect. The T and the activist class of LGBT, they pushed those people to the side and said, now it's all of this and we change the flag and we do all sorts of things. And then we go after the kids. Then we try to cleave the kid from their parents. This is the second article in the Indy Star that discusses that the problem is those parents. Those adults who are too fragile. You see, the parents are too fragile as adults, but the adults who are teachers who want to indoctrinate kids with porn, they're the ones who are good and decent. Don't you get it? That is exactly what Lauren Bouchard is saying here. I will debate Lauren Bouchard anywhere, anytime on this subject. That's what she's saying. If indeed the adult... If the adult is too fragile, why is that not true of the adult in the classroom? So you don't mean the adult in the classroom. You mean the parent. But what's weird is that some teachers are parents. I don't know how that part works. I'll leave that for another day. This idea of fear. Oh my gosh, we live in fear. Oh, it's so dangerous for us. No, it's, it's not. You know it, I know it, everybody knows it. No, it's not. That's not factual. That you don't like some of the legislation, that you don't like the pushback, okay. If somebody was sending you a death threat, that's despicable and wrong. Of course we would agree to that. In case you didn't know that I would agree to that, of course I would agree to that. I only hope you would agree that if somebody were to send me a death threat, that would be despicable and wrong. But laws that protect children from abuse, like undue surgeries and medical uh, medicines that forever change them, and puberty blockers do that, it's not temporary, stop it. That's rational. That's not fear. That's not abuse. Stop it. Get control of your emotions. My God, man, get a hold of yourself. You too, woman. But none of this would be a thing if you would just stop going after kids. Dylan Mulvaney can do whatever Dylan Mulvaney wants. I don't give a damn. You want to live in fear? Go live in Syria. (laughs) Then you'll live in fear. You're not living in fear, living in the United States. But I'm glad you got to visit Machu Picchu. I can't wait to go myself. Just stop going after the kids and everything will be fine. Stop trying to steal kids away from their parents and everything will be fine. Just stop doing those things and everything will be fine. 
But if you want to fight parents on their kids, the parents are going to fight back. And I only hope they fight back stronger than they already are. I'm Tony Katz. Hey. Hey. Succession leads the Emmy nominees with a 27 nominations. Ted Lasso leads the comedy, comedy, comedy contenders. Good Lord, Katz. Learn how to speak. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Uh, yeah, uh, they're out. I, 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 what I got a kick out of after after reading uh, this, uh, going through this, is we TV over the last two decades has really done some incredible work. There's been some really good content out there. And we can go over great shows and lousy shows and all, the, all that jazz. The shows we pay attention to. Do we still pay attention to the awards? Like when you look at drama series, Yellow Jackets, White Lotus, Succession, House of Dragon, The Crown, The Last of Us, Andor, and Better Call Saul. By the way, it better be Better Call Saul. Holy crap. The shows we watch. Do we care about the awards? No. It doesn't seem that we do. Because the awards are, of course, moments of lecture. We don't want to be lectured to. We just want to be entertained. On the comedy side, Abbott Elementary, Barry, The Bear, Jury Duty, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Only Murders in the Building, Ted Lasso, and Wednesday. That's a lot of good ones. That's what I would go with Maisel. Oh, that show just knocks me out. Tomorrow, everyone, I'm Tony Katz. Take care. <laughs>